I would turn your thoughts to Psalm 135, verses 13 through 18. And, and just notice how uh, talks about the one true living God. In Psalm 135, here it is right here. You know, um, the psalmist made it clear, and if you have your Bible, you follow me there. But beginning in verse 13, he says, That's 135, isn't it? Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your fame, O Lord, throughout all generations. For the Lord God will judge his people. He will have companion, compassion on his servants. Now listen to this. The idols of the nations are silver and gold. They are the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouth. Those who make them are like them. And so is everyone that trusts in them. Jehovah, Yahweh, the great I am, the one true living God. Do you realize that they sang what I was going to start off with? That he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. I guarantee if you don't believe he's all-powerful, go out one night when the, the smog's not heavy and you can actually see the stars and just glance, glance off into the heavens and something inside of you says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. My goodness, God is omnipotent. By the way, if God can speak this world out of nothing, I think he can handle your problem. Why don't you trust him? But not only is he omnipotent, he's omniscient. He's not only all-powerful, he knows all things. Somebody says, well, ain't nobody going to know it. I got news for you. God knows it. He is the, he is the God that sees all. He is omniscient. He knows everything. Where, where did knowledge come from? Where did science come from? Where did all the things that we've discovered come from? They, they, they were created by an omnipotent, um, uh, 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 omniscient God who knows all things and who created all knowledge. So he's not only omnipotent, all-powerful, he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. But I'll tell you another thing. He's om omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. I tell you what, turn to Psalm 139. And it not only talks about God's omnipotence, his omniscience, but his omnipresence. How that God's presence is everywhere. Psalm 136, and we begin reading in, in verse 1. Or is it 139? Oh, it's 139. I missed it only. All right, here it is. Now look at it. I love this. Well, this Psalm 139 is not in my Bible. Now, there's 138. I could read it off screen, but I want to read it out of the Bible. It's stuck together. My. Here it is. Listen to it. Does God know everything? Oh, Lord, you have searched me. You have known me. 
well, I'm just kind of living a, my own little life in secret. You know, when I sit down, praise God for sitting down. And you know, when I rise up, you understand what I'm thinking before I do. You understand my thoughts are far off. You comprehend my path. You know exactly where I'm headed. You comprehend, uh, my, comprehend my path and my laying, lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. God, you know everything about me. You are omniscient. You know everything about me, everything. For, uh, you're, you're acquainted. You comprehend my path, my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways. Now listen to this. There's not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. God knows everything we say. Help us, Jesus. There's not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You've hedged me behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge that you know everything about me, O God, is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. And then he says, But I'll tell you what, I'll just run away from you. Well, he said, where can I go from your spirit? Now, get this. How can I flee from your presence? God, can I ever get out of your presence? Can I ever get where you won't see and won't know? Where can I flee from your presence? If I send into heaven, you're there. If If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there... Your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. And if I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be a light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide me from you, but but the night shines as the day, and the darkness and the light both alike to you. Omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, you'll never get out of his universal presence. But, now what I want to do is this. Today I want to talk about the presence of God, the omnipresence. I want to talk about two aspects. I want to talk about the promised presence of God, and if I have time, and I'll probably take time, about the Awareness of the presence of God. Those two things. His promised presence and the awareness of his presence. And then next Sunday, the Lord willing, if Jesus doesn't come back, it's going to be one of the most unusual services we've ever had in this church. I'm going to speak on the manifested presence of God. How God manifests himself. How he manifests himself in your life and in this congregation and in his church around the world. You know, let's talk about the promised presence of God. You remember last week, we, uh, a couple of weeks ago, that I preached on Isaiah 64. Oh, Lord, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, that the mountains would shake at your presence. And his fire burns, burst rooted, and fire causes water to boil, that the nations may shake at you, the mountains may shake at your presence. You know, see, uh, I want to talk to you about the promised presence of God. Hey, by the way, somebody reminded me, and I thought it was awesome. God has already tore open the heavens one time. Did you know that? 
You know when he tore open the heavens? Let me tell you. In your Bibles or on the screen, I want you to look at the coming of God into the world. His promised presence. And it's Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 9. Okay. Hey, God has tore open the heavens. (laughs) And God has come down. And we celebrate it every year. It's the promised presence of God. And in Isaiah 9, 6, it says so clearly, Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Would you underscore the word us? Jesus came for you. And Jesus came for me. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called, wonder who this is, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The promised presence of God. And that is Jesus promised by God to come into the world and give us the presence of God manifest in the flesh. We read over in John 1. One, we all know this, but listen, man, we're talking about God promised to send a Messiah. God promised to send a Savior. He promised us. In the garden, he said to the devil, uh, you, you may bruise his heel, but anyway, he said his, that Jesus was going to do something to the devil. But anyway, but listen, God promised a Savior was coming. And, and so it says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was what? God. And says, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And it was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness could not put it out. And then you jump over to John, that first chapter in verse 14. And man, listen to what it says. And the word that was God, and the word that was with God, the word in whom there was life, and his life was the light of men, and the word became flesh. Wow. And he lived among us, and we beheld his glory. Oh, did we ever behold his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know the promised presence of God? God said, one day I am going to send my... God said, I'm going to come into the world. I'm going to come into the world in the person of, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are going to know the promised presence of God in your midst. And I love that passage in Galatians where it says in chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, in the fullness of time had come... God, I love it, the fullness of time, God's perfect timing. Let me tell you something about God's timing. It's always perfect. He's never early. He's never late. He's always on time. But when the fullness of time had come, by the way, there's no time with God anyway. He's eternal. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, the promised presence of God, born of a woman, born under the law. Why? To redeem those who were under the law that we could not keep. 
that we might receive the adoption of sons. So, the promised presence of Jesus. He has come into the world. But the awesome thing about that is this, that he came into the world to live in his life in us. You see, we know all about the historical Jesus, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for our sin. God raised him from the dead. He's present today in this world. But you've got to understand, the promised presence of God is this, that when Jesus would come and die on the cross for our sins, shed his blood so we could be forgiven, that we would recognize our sinfulness, our total wickedness and separation from God, and in repentance of our sin, which is not only confessing your sin, but by God's grace turning away, that in repentance of our sin, under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we would receive the Son of God who comes to us in, in, in God's conviction, and we would re- receive him. We would repent of our sins. God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and we'd receive Jesus Christ. By the way, in John chapter 1, you know what it says about verse 13? As many as received him, same first chapter that said he was coming, but to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, to those who believe on his name. So God just did not promise, just promise he was going to come. But he promised that his son would die for us on the cross and that if we would repent of our sins and receive his son as our Lord and Savior, guess what? That his son would come to live in us. We'd have the presence of God in us. The promised presence of God. That Christ would come to live in us. We read this verse, but do you understand the magnitude of it? When Jesus died on the cross, he took me and I died with him. He said, so I'm crucified with Christ, yet I'm still living. But it's not me that's living. It is Christ who lives in me. The promised presence of God that his son, Christ, lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul realized the great truth And he said, it's going to be even revealed to the Gentiles is that one day Christ is going to come to live in you and it's going to be Christ in you, the hope of glory. You talk about the promised presence of God. (laughs) Jesus Christ came into this world and he came to live in you, to be your Lord and your Savior. I'm telling you, for you, you don't put anybody else's name on it. Jesus came, and God says, here's my promised presence. My son will come to live in you. But there came a time when Jesus said, I've got to go back to the Father. I've got to to go back to the right hand where I, I can be seated in power and authority. He said, it's important for you for me to go away because let me tell you who's going to come. Oh, Oh, here comes the promised presence of God again. He said, the Holy Spirit's going to come. In your Bibles, it's John chapter 15. And I want you to notice how Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. John 14, 15 through 18. It's awesome. Talks about, okay. All right, it's on the screen. If you love me, keep my commandments. 
And I will pray the Father. And he will give you another helper. That word is comforter. One who comes alongside. And that word another there in the Greek is another of the same kind. He said, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another one to come alongside of you, just like me, that he, now wait a minute, may abide with you forever. And he goes on and says, for the, the spirit of truth, let me tell you, the spirit of truth is going to come, the Holy Spirit. The world cannot receive it, receive him. It's neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. They'd gotten to know the spirit of Christ. They'd gotten to know the Holy Spirit, for he dwells with you. They'd follow Jesus, and the Spirit of God was in Jesus without measure. And they followed Jesus, and they saw the workings of the Holy Spirit. And he said to those disciples, you know, here's the promised presence of God. I'm going to send the Comforter, and he's going to come, and he is going to dwell with you. He's, going, he's not only going to dwell with you, but it says here, you know him, he dwells with you, and he will be in you. John 15, 26. You see, God has, the promised presence of God is a reality. The coming of Jesus to be our Savior and Lord. And then Jesus going back to the Father, seated at his right hand, and he will, would come to live in us. Look at that. When the Comforter comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So there's the presence of Promised presence of God. It is the presence of Jesus Christ in the life of those who repent of their sins and by the grace of God turn from their sins and by the grace of God throw themselves upon the mercy of God and invite the Lord Jesus Christ to come to live in their heart. And then Christ comes to live in us. And then he says, now, I'm going to go away. But if I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He said, I can't be everywhere at the same time. I have a body. But when I send the Holy Spirit, he's going to indwell every one of you, and he'll be in every believer no matter where they are. So the promised presence of God is that the Holy Spirit would come to live in us. Don't you love 1 Corinthians? Uh, well, let's go back to Acts 2, 1, 5, verse 1 through 5. Now, I'm talking about the promised presence of God. Jesus coming, dying, living, and to live in us. The coming of the Holy Spirit. To indwell us. Christ's spirit in our spirit. It says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. That's a picture of God. God's, our God is a consuming fire. And on overhead head was a tongue of fire which was symbolic of the fact that God's spirit was fixing to come into them. There appeared to them a divided tongues as a fire that set upon each one of them. And they were, uh-oh, and they were all, not just the preacher, not just the deacon, not just the missionary, not just, oh, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. The presence of God is for all. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let me just get settle this and move on let me tell you something there's the promised presence of God and God promised us that he would come into the world to be our savior and our lord and he has come and he has done what he said he was going to do and we thank God today 
for the coming of Jesus and for the promised presence of Jesus in our life. But then there's the promise of the Holy Spirit, that he would come in 1 Corinthians 6.19. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Brother Fred, you mean to tell me that God is in this world, the God who created this universe out of nothing, the omnipotent God, the omniscient God, the omnipresent God. Are you telling me, what do you mean by telling you not only is he in this world, but your body, if you're a Christian, is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. It's not me down here and the Holy Spirit up there. It's the Holy Spirit of Christ in me. And you're not your own. You're bought with a price. You know what Ephesians 5.18 says? Talking about the promised presence of God. Jesus coming as the Savior and Lord. Then the, Jesus sending the Holy Spirit to be Christ living in us. It says, but you just need to let the Holy Spirit control your life. And do not be drunk with wine. Where is riot? But be filled with the Holy Spirit. I used to wonder why God would use that analogy. Let me tell you why. Now, don't be drunk with wine, but your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, so be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know why I use that analogy? When a person's drunk, they think different. When a person's drunk, they see different. How you know? I'm not going to tell you how I know. Uh, they see different. <laughs> and when a person's drunk, they walk different, and they talk different, and they feel different, and they act different, right? Glory to God. When a person's filled with the Holy Spirit, they think different, and they see different, and they talk different, and they live different, and they walk different. And it's not them, but it's the precious Holy Spirit of God in them producing the very life of Christ and producing the fruit of the Spirit. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, that's my introduction. This is the part I'm really excited. I was excited about that, but I'm, I want to talk to you about not only the promised presence of God, but the awareness of the presence of God. The aware, it's a supernatural thing. Now, I want you to listen to me. The awareness of the presence of God is not an emotion. You can work up someone's emotions. You can. And the emotions are very, very powerful. And people have been in, quote, unquote, religious services where there was a great stirring and great emotions were risen, raised up. But all that happened was they were just touched in their emotions. And the emotions faded just as soon as the service was over. But oh, no, no, no. You don't understand. The awareness of the presence of God it's supernaturally you experience the presence of God in your life. You become aware of his presence. I got to thinking about Jacob. He was running from Esau. He knew he was a cheat. Jacob did. He knew he was a, a, a deceiver. And, and, and uh, <laughs> he wrestled with the man who was, I believe, the incarnate Christ. He wrestled with him. And he said, what's your name? And it said, Jacob, he said, I'm changing your name. Jacob means cheat, deceiver, deceiver. And I'm, on, I'm changing your name. And you're going to be Israel, a prince with God. 
He said, and I tell you what, he said, you know this place I'm in right now? This place where I wrestled with you and prevailed and you touched me and changed me and gave me a new name? I'm going to call it Penile. You know what that means? I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Jacob said, you know, it's like I actually, the, the awareness of wrestling with that uh, man, that incarnate Christ, the, the awareness of wrestling with him and what he spoke into my spirit has so changed me. I, I'm going to call this place right here Penile. I have seen God face to face. Can I tell you something? God loves to make you and us aware of his presence. Goes beyond our emotions. And we experience the presence of God in our life. There's no way you just really can't explain it. But you just say, man, I'm telling you. Uh, it's a, let me tell you, at Pentecost, after Peter preached, they became aware of the presence of God. You know what it says in Acts 2.43? Now, I want you to listen to this. These people became aware. And says, and the fear of God came upon every soul. And the fear of God. Acts 2, 43. Let me tell you something. When you are aware of God's presence, it, 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 it's, it's a holy, holy time. Now, this fear here is not a fear, well, God, God's going to wipe me out. God doesn't love me. God, no, that's not it at all. Then fear and awareness of a supernatural God who had just done supernatural things had heard men speak in their own languages. It says, and then, and I could put it this way, an awareness of God came upon every soul. And many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. You know, the awareness of God's presence is an awesome, awesome experience. In Acts 4.31, you know, they'd just gotten out of jail and they'd been threatened not to teach or preach at all in the name of Jesus. So they had a prayer meeting. Good thing to do. When they finished praying, guess what happened? And the place, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Wow. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. I imagine one of, uh, of the disciples and, and one of the new converts looked at them and said, what in the world is going on? I know it may be a uh, not a tornado. It may be an earthquake, maybe an earthquake. But this place sure is shaking. Preacher said, oh, no. It's God. It's God shaking this place. It's the presence of God. You know, you really know when you're in the presence of God. As I preached for over 58 years, and I've not only had churches that I pastored, but I've visited other churches, I'll tell you one thing. There's some churches I've gone into. I said, well, you know, this is a nice building and these are fine people. 
but God left here years ago. It's just dead. Now, you say you're judging them. No, I wasn't. I was sitting there, and if God was anywhere close, I must have been in trouble because I sure didn't know it. But I've gone into other places. It may just be a house. It just may be a gathering of five people. It may be a gathering of 500. But I go in there, and it's not long. And this is what I used to admit. It's different. It's different. Something's different. And then I realized, oh, you know, there's kind of an atmosphere. There's kind of an awareness of the presence of God. And you don't have to try to explain it to people. They say, you know, something's different here. I believe God's in this place. I believe Jesus is manifesting and working in the lives of people. You know, um, there came a time at Cottage Hill. I went there in 72, and we had our first breakthrough in 74. But as we went along, and then we had Leonard Ravenhill in 79, and then God sent a lot of godly people along the way, and God just began to work. And I'm just telling you all the truth. That was just kind of an atmosphere. And people knew that they were in the presence of God. I think I have this right. Jim Jordan, who's had the mission of hope, was sitting on the front row of the balcony, and all of a sudden the presence of God overwhelmed him. And he got saved. I remember my son wasn't living right, but he brought his girlfriend, and, and they were sitting as far in the balcony as they could. They didn't realize God was in the balcony. <laughs> and my son said to me, Daddy, he said, the presence of God came upon me. And I realized how wicked I was and how much I needed Jesus. And I'm telling you, man, he was radically changed. You know, it, it's called the presence of God. You know, I, you know, when the presence of God is in a place, you, you can't explain things that happen. I remember that uh, one of my best friends who was one of our bus drivers in the bus ministry, Frankie Harris, one, one day early in the morning came running down the hall where my office was, said, Brother Fred, I need to get saved. I said, Frankie, saved? You're driving a bus, picking up children. I said, you he said, don't you tell me that I need to get saved. God's been telling me all night that I'm lost. You know what that is? That's the presence of God. That's the presence of God, I'm telling you. I never will forget the awareness of God's presence. It's a supernatural thing. One way you, you, you sense the presence of God that when people come into church, they find themselves weeping and don't know why. Every time I really get into the presence of God where it's saturated, man, I find myself weeping. That's just one way I express the awareness that I am in the presence of the living God. And this is a God time. It is a God event. You know, I love the way of when the presence of God is, you, things happen. A lot of people realize that they got baptized before they were saved. So if you get baptized before you're saved, 
Uh, but they'd been saved since then, but um, they realized they needed to be rebaptized. Well, they can't be rebaptized. They needed to be baptized now that they, oh, they may have been saved 10 years before, but they got baptized before that, so they realized they needed to get baptized. Well, a lot of people were getting, re, were getting baptized that had been saved, baptized before they were saved. One person came up to me and said, I don't think that's right. I'm kind of, I don't understand all these people that are getting baptized who've already been baptized. I said, well, that's just between you and God. I, I mean, I'm not nothing to do with it. It's just the presence of God. Three weeks later, that person came to me and said, I need to be baptized. <laughs> that's the honest truth, so help me God. Well, what is that? Let me tell you what it is. It's the presence of God. Listen, I want something to happen in this place and in your life that the only explanation is God himself. Not something you can work up or play up or emotion up, but just holy God comes down in this place. And we say, my heavens, God is in this place. It's called the awareness of the presence of God. I guarantee you there are people all over this congregation that could say to me, Brother Fred, I didn't wrestle with Jesus, but I had a Jacob experience where the presence of God was so strong. I knew it was God. And I tell you, I was changed. He gave me a new name, changed me on the inside. It's called the presence of God. You know, I I have... um, a memory, and I, I don't know why I never have been able to get away from this. I don't want to get away from it. I just know it was a dingy motel in a small Mississippi town where I was preaching for two or three days, and somebody had given me a book by Charles Trumbull called Victory in Christ. And so, you, you know, if there was a TV in the room, it did not work, you understand. And I, I, I figured there were roaches on the ceiling, and I wondered where they went last night. But I, I mean, anyway, I didn't see them, but I felt like they were there. But you know what? I got to reading that book. And the chapter said that Christ is your life. He will not be your life. He is your life. And he wants to live his life through you. I mean, I read that, and it just jumped off the page that Christ is my life, and he's your life. He's your wisdom. He's your righteousness. He's your sanctification. He's your redemption. You're complete in him. It's not you down here trying to live the Christian life. It's Jesus Christ living in you and living his life through you. Man, as I read that book, I might as well have been in a palace in heaven. Spirit of God, the presence of God came down in that room. And I'm telling you, oh, man, I said, this is God. This is God. Ed Lacey's here today, and Herb, I remember when we were in India. And I was uh, laying in the bed. We got there a day early. Thank God, because we got in a nicer hotel. We were supposed to go to another one, but God orchestrated that, I think. But anyway, I was reading on, on sitting on the bed reading. And I came to that verse in 1 John where it says, Now, now little children abide in him, that when he, when he appears, when he comes again, you will not be ashamed before him when he comes. I said, my God, 
I'm over here in India on a mission trip. And you're convicting me that if Jesus came back today, I'd be ashamed. And God really just filled that room. Well, all the guys started coming in. I forgot how many it was, eight or nine or ten. And I shared with them that verse. And I'm telling you something. Whoa. That room became a temple where the Spirit of God was dwelling. And man, we were praying and crying and singing and repent. I am telling you, we met God. And I have never forgot that. Now, there have been times when you have felt, it's not an emotion now, because emotions come and go. But it's where you say, I am in the presence of God. And boy, I'll tell you something. When you're in the presence of God, you don't look at your watch. Because you don't want to leave. You don't want to leave. I'm telling you. You, you. you say, Lord, this is too good. I don't know what time it is. Don't want to know. Just stay here with me, Jesus. Stay here with me, Holy Spirit. You know, my passion for all the churches that I've pastored, that when people walk through the doors, whether they knew what it was or not, that they would become aware that they were in the presence of the living God. They would become aware that they were in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they would say, you know, this is not just business as usual. It's not just singing a few hymns and having a nice little sermon and somebody praying. It's all about, I'm in the presence of God. And God can touch me. He can speak to me. He can deliver me. He can, I, I just know that I can leave here a changed man or a changed woman. And I don't know why I'm feeling that tugging in my heart. Or why I feel so drawn. Well, listen, it's the presence of God. That is exactly what it is. And why in the world should we be settled? Listen, when, when David brought the ark back and was dancing before the ark, the Bible says the glory of God filled the temple so great that the, even the priests could not minister because of the awesome awareness of the presence of God. So there's the promised presence of God. There's the awareness of the presence of God. I'm going to tell this story and then we're going to sing a song. True, you know, why do I say true story? I don't tell nothing but true story. <laughs> but sometimes they sound so outlandish, they say, he made that up. Under God, I ain't made nothing up. A man visited our church. And filled out a visitor's card. We went visiting on Monday night. I do not remember who was with me. Maybe you remember and tell me. But we went to see this guy. And uh, it was in August. And he had on Bermuda shorts and a white t-shirt. And I, I'm going to say this. I didn't know if he was there. But he had said on the card, I'd like a visit from the pastor. Not very few people say that. I'd like a visit. So, so we went, knocked on the door. He came to the door. He said, Brother Fred, I'm so glad you came by here. I can't wait to talk to you and guess what for 30 minutes he talked and I listened that man could talk to bark off a tree I had never seen nothing like it 
No, I, I'm telling you the truth. I said, Lord, am I ever going to get word in here? He's trying. Well, anyway, he found out he had three children and his wife. He said, this is the first time I've been to church in 15 years. I said, really? I said, well, why did you come yesterday? He said, well, I won't tell you why I came. He said, I was raised by my grandmother, and she is at the point of death. She is dying. And I told my wife, honey, I, I, I can't deal. She raised me. I can't deal with her dying. I, I can't deal with it. I don't know how to handle this. I tell you what we need to do. We need to go to church tomorrow. Well, it so happened. They lived about three or four blocks from our church, maybe five blocks. Never had been before. I can't understand that. We had great singing, but he didn't even know about our singing. Unbelievable preaching. He didn't even know about the preaching. <laughs> he didn't say one thing about that. I said, well, why did you come? He said, I told you. He said, my grandmother was raised me, was dying, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And I, I, then I asked him this question, and this is where it gets where you can't. You said, my goodness. I said, let me ask you something. When you came with a burdened heart, and a desperate need. What were you looking for? What were you hoping for? And he said, as only he could say it, Brother Fred, I was just hoping that the presence of God would hit me in the face. And I said to myself, what if that man had come and sung just another song and heard just another sermon but did not have the presence of God hit him in the face? If the rest of the story is good. He got saved. His wife got saved. His kids got saved. Guess what it was? It was the presence of God.